On days like today, services like this, I actually like to just think aloud and share with you some thoughts that I've had. Regarding the season and Christmas and Christmas Eve, in fact, if we can wrap our minds around the time frame, this is the day before the birth of Christ that there were several things going on. No room in the inn, it's crowded, all kinds of things, but it will be tonight, centuries ago, that Jesus Christ was born. And so there are several things I'd like to share with you. Uh, we live, again, in a, in a, uh, a culture that, uh, with all the things that have happened, uh, it seems to have muddled or fuzzed some of the edges of, I don't know, a language and words and things. But what struck me and what has been with me and what I want to share with you is there are certain things about this, this our story, our Christmas story, that have not been hijacked. We call them one-word, one-word identifications. Here's something very interesting in marketing. They always strive to get a one-word product. And some of the movies you'll see or shows, it's a one-word product. It's a one-word thing. I'm thankful that there are several words that when we see them or we read of them, our mind immediately goes to our Christmas story. There are four, three for sure, and maybe four that I'll mention that, that always bring our mind to, to that. Shepherds, angels, manger, and star. When you say those words, particularly during this season, I, the, our minds go to that story and how wonderful that one word can elicit a, an incredible story. And yet that's what the Christmas story, our Christmas story is all about. We've been reading over the last few weeks and seeing how that there were uh, many stories, many things that led up to our Christmas story. If you recall, Emmanuel, God with us, that was the prophecy, God would be with humanity. And then we read and we saw how that there were, it was going to be light, day spring. And then last week we were looking at uh, how that the various stories ha has actually led up to our Christmas story which we had the stories of the angels, their observations of the adversary, God's observation of mankind's uh, misery and how he was going to resolve it. Uh, and then the prophets even were so excited, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, different ones were so excited that God was going to uh, send someone to, to deliver us from our misery. Well, that's where we are. Now we're at our story, Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields or abiding, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do, do not be afraid. 
I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which are going to be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned again, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told them. My mind immediately goes to uh, variations and possibilities and things. So um, my first observation is why, why the shepherds? Why, why shepherds? And I think that as I share my thoughts on this, that it becomes apparent that it was not happenstance or arbitrary or willy-nilly, but God had a very definite reason for revealing this to the shepherds instead of a king or a prince or to the governors. He revealed it to the shepherds. So when we look at this, I think that, that uh, we need to look at it as exactly what this means. With the shepherds, first of all, it, the, the shepherds were a, um, a very well-known aspect of that society, of Israeli society. Shepherds, they uh, were uh, part of not the higher echelon, but the lower echelon, but yet a very, very necessary part of that culture. But when we look at the shepherds, it's very interesting and as my mind kind of wandered through this and meandered through various things, it, it dawned on me that why not the shepherds? Why not reveal to the shepherds that the good shepherd had been born? Why not reveal to the shepherds who were uh, uh, protectors? In fact, we know that they, uh, they understood the sheep. They guarded the sheep. They were the physicians of the sheep. They were the protectors of the sheep. Why not reveal to the shepherds that the good shepherd had come? In fact, we know that Jesus himself acknowledged that that's exactly what he was. We know that Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, well, no, God was wiser than me. I mean, we might have wanted to uh, make the, the proclamation uh, across the world, but he didn't. He chose the shepherds. Why? Because it was a forerunner of how Jesus Christ was going to deal and, and guide his people. But the other thing that struck me about the shepherding in those days and time was what that they were healers. They were the physicians. 
A sheep would get wounded or perhaps wolves would try to attack the flock or things. The shepherd would protect it with his staff, but then also if the sheep was wounded, the shepherd would come and apply either a balm of Gilead or something. That's what the shepherd would do. And therein lies, I think, why the shepherds. Jesus Christ does exactly that for like you and I and all of humanity. In fact, the scriptures give us instances where Jesus used himself and then also used the scenario of shepherding to to teach eternal truths. Remember the one, the parable, he said, how many of you, if you have 90 and 9 sheep, but yet one gets lost out there, that you will not go out and find that one and bring it back, and then there'll be joy in the house of friends and relatives. That is why I think the shepherds. Not others, but the shepherds. Jesus one time looked over the multitudes, and he saw them. And while the disciples were, were, were concerned about the number and were concerned about the, the timing and everything, Jesus looked at, at the crowd, and the scriptures say he had compassion on them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Why not the shepherds? Makes sense to me now. And that's part of our Christmas story. When we hear that word shepherds, our mind needs to go back, should go back. And most always, always does go back to the shepherds on the night that Christ was born. The angels. The angel. It's interesting. I found myself saying this week and the last couple of weeks, all I want to do is talk about angels. I, I find that I, I, haven't, I haven't labored you with that, but believe me, had I had my way, I would have been talking about angels every service. They're fascinating to me, not because they're a figment of imagination, but because we find that the angels throughout the scriptures have a very, very important role. In fact, I find it interesting that that even talking with people who have gone through some sort of traumatic experience or traumatic thing will almost inadvertently say, there must have been an angel with me, or I feel like there was an angel. I myself have said that. And so who was this angel? Well, we only actually have two names in the, in the scriptures of angels, Gabriel and, and Michael. Now, Michael was the war angel. Michael was the archangel. Michael was the one who would fight against the adversary. He was the, he was the one who protected the throne of God. But Gabriel, Gabriel was different. He was the messenger of God. He was the one who brought news. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we find, uh, we find where Daniel in the Old Testament uh, was visited by an angel, and what he said was, I was terrified, and I fell down as a dead man. So the angel had some sort of presence that uh, even as Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, said when he was visited by Gabriel, he was gripped with fear. And then we find Mary. Mary was visited by Gabriel brought the news that she was highly favored in the eyes of God and that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of all mankind 
and his name would be called Jesus. The scriptures say that after that visit of Gabriel to her, the scriptures say she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of meeting this was going to be. So the point is, is that the angel, that first angel who came to the shepherds, who was it? I'm going to assume it was Gabriel. He has always been the messenger of God who comes from the throne of God, carrying God's word to humanity. He visited the shepherds, but we also know that remember when Jesus Christ was tempted in the wilderness after 40 days and 40 nights, and he had been tempted by Satan, the adversary, the great serpent. He'd been tempted at the end, the scriptures say, and an angel came and ministered to him, Gabriel. Then we find where even Satan in his temptation knew who Gabriel and the angels were because that was one of the temptations he tempted the Lord with. He said, well, throw yourself off this mountain because, you know, the scriptures have said that the angels have charge over you. They knew who he was. I'm reminded of the story that Jesus gave of Lazarus and the rich man. And he spoke of the angel as a reality when he said the rich man fared sumptuously every day, but Lazarus was a beggar outside of the gates, and he had nothing but even the, the, the crumbs from a dog. But then Jesus told this story, and he said, but then they both died. Lazarus lifted up his eyes, being in torment, but La I mean, uh, the rich man, but Lazarus was carried by an angel into the bosom of Abraham. We love the messages from God, but that, that messenger has a name in this particular, our Christmas story, and that is Gabriel. We also know that when Jesus, before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and everyone had pretty much decided how they were going to either follow him or not follow him. Judas had decided to betray him. Peter did not realize he was going to deny him. So essentially, Jesus knew that he was going to walk this by himself. And when he told the disciples he was going to pray, he said, the prince of the world is coming to meet me tonight, but he has no part of me. And then the scriptures say that Jesus prayed, as it were, great drops of blood and everything. But when it was all done, you know what the scriptures say? An angel came, ministered to him. Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. He's been instrumental throughout the scriptures of bringing not only good news, but sometimes bad news. But on this, our Christmas story, he has brought wonderful news to the shepherds. He came to the shepherds, it says, while they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And he said, do not be afraid. Today, tonight, I bring you good news. So the angels, every time we hear or we see or when I read that, I'm always thinking, my first thought is always that the angels are the precursor to God giving us what we need to hear. God revealed it to the shepherds, but he did it through the angel. And then the scriptures say, which is beautiful. In fact, you know, if I, if I was a composer, I would write great things, but I'm not. But thank goodness Beethoven and Mozart have written wonderful, wonderful pieces of music about this very thing, about the angel singing Gloria Deus, you know, just glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth peace, goodwill to men. What a wonderful message. That's what I think of in my Christmas story, and I'm sure you do too, about angels. The scriptures say then after the angel had spoken to the shepherds, then all of a sudden there were tens of thousands of thousands, angels singing that song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Remember, the angels had observed since the beginning of mankind's time how we as humanity have had the most wonderful of all things. We had the Garden of Eden, we had God as our creator, but yet we abused the one thing that God had given us, and that was our free will. And the angels had observed through all the centuries humanity and the misery, not necessarily that was brought upon us, but that we brought up on ourselves. So I can easily imagine that perhaps this was a message the angels did not want to bring because we have been so abusive to the good things that God has given us. Yet on this night, they were joyous because they knew that God was about to accomplish what no one else could, what no man has been able to do, what no one has been able to give, and that is peace and joy in the heart of each of us. The angels knew that, and that's why they sang glorious, glorious song. And finally, or at least next, the manger. Thought a lot about this. You can't hardly, when you, for instance, when you type in manger, it's going to bring up the Christmas story, whether it be WikiLeaks or Wikipedia or, you know, whatever they are. Type in manger. And it will immediately direct you, even, even into an ungodly world, it will direct you to the Christmas story. One word, a one-word thing that brings our mind to that point of what had happened, the manger. Well, the manger, as I thought about it, and I did some, a lot of research, a trough, a, rain, you know, a manger, there was no room in the inn where they were. And so they were there, and I'm sure that given that it was the, the, the day before, that Mary knew that it was almost time for her to be delivered, so they had to find some place. Now, most likely in that time when they were traveling, it was Mary, uh, Joseph and Mary came to his hometown, Bethlehem, and it was there that probably he had family, but yet there was no guest room, there was no place, so they found a place in a stable, a stable or, but, but it's the manger. In fact, the word translates as, as a feeder, like a trough, like a cattle trough. And the cattle were there, uh, but they fixed the manger where the babe could be laid. And the scriptures tell us that that was a sign to look for. In fact, that's what the angel told the shepherds. Look for the manger, and there you'll find the babe in swaddling clothes. Look for the manger. And Luke writes and says, they went and they looked for the manger, and they found the babe just as it had been told. The manger was a sign. And as I thought about this, I thought, yeah, again, why the shepherds and everything? But yet it becomes so, I think, simple to understand the shepherds would have not had access had it been in Herod's court. The shepherds would have not had access if it had been in some royal court or a government office. Instead, 
The shepherds, the common person like you and I, had complete access to go and find that babe in the manger. So it's a, it's a sign for me that Jesus Christ today came for everyone. He is accessible to anyone and everyone regardless of where our life is. It's a symbol also. I think it's a symbol, uh, the manger, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, uh, it, it, it's a place, but you may be surprised about what I'm getting ready to say. What is a manger? It's a trough. What did they do? They fed the cattle. Why in the world would a baby be put in that, and how could it, in fact, become a symbol? Well, uh, it, was a, it was a forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. He didn't feed the animals, no. He came to feed mankind, did he not? In fact, we know, this is an interesting thing, the word Bethlehem, the Jewish language, you know what, you know what the, the translation is? is? The translation is the house of bread. Now, I find that interesting because of what Jesus ultimately taught about his own life. What Jesus says is this, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and now are dead. I'm the bread which has come down from heaven, the manger. I'm the one that if you eat it, you will have life. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, me, which we did in our communion, we took that bread. If anyone partakes of that, he says, you will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of this world. Why not the manger? Why not the place where there is food for the animals, but now with Jesus Christ, there is food for all of mankind, humanity, you and I the same. Finally, the star. I actually wasn't going to say anything about the star until I heard the reading. And I thought, no, that's a sign too. That's a one-word symbol, the star. What does that mean? Well, I was going to address it next week, but let me go ahead and say this. The wise men saw the star, and the obvious question becomes, why didn't other people see the star? Herod didn't. His, his wise men didn't. Why did they see it? Because they were looking for it. When we look for God, he reveals himself to us. And so let us remember that. Our Christmas story can be captured in closing by what, by what the old prophet said, Isaiah chapter 9. We can say now, yes, that is true. A child has been born unto us. A son has been given to us. The government's on his shoulder. We call him, our Lord, wonderful. We call Jesus Counselor, Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. We have all of this, our Christmas story, because as the prophet said, the zeal of the Lord would ensure that we do. So this morning, Christmas Eve, let us rejoice in our Christmas story. It's part of many that has led to this point for us today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning.
for the time that we can share and give you honor for what you have allowed us to experience from your love and mercy to us. We are thankful, Lord, that you've allowed us to come to know who you are through our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to show us you. He came to teach us of you. He came, Lord, to lead us to you. But at the same time, Lord, he has come to you, our Lord has, to intercede for us, to bring us to you. And we are thankful for that. Bless, we pray, Lord, for the many things that you give to us, we are thankful for. But more than anything, we are thankful for Jesus Christ and your love to us. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen.